couple of things I want to get off my chest. Number one, what is Labor Day? I was over there beside the stage coming up. I know Labor Day is tomorrow. I pulled this up. I want to know how it started. So check this out. Labor Day is a public holiday or day of festivities held in honor of working people. Did some guy somewhere just snap Sunday? It's funny, the things we do, we don't even know where it comes from. Some guy is at some job and he says, this is unfair. Mothers get their day. Fathers get their day. We create an Easter bunny and name it Easter, a bunny with eggs. Some guy said, we're going to have Labor Day and it stuck. And then somehow there was a leader that says, yes, put that on the American and Canadian calendar. That's just impressive. There's pioneering and then there's that. Uh, the other thing I want to get off my chest, I was at Cracker Barrel uh, last day of August. The Christmas trees are out at Cracker Barrel. We need to stop. It's not right. It's a thing called just be present. Christmas trees, Christmas music in August. The third thing, and I'm, maybe I'm just having an emotional day, I don't know. But um, third thing I want to get off my chest is, um, have you guys noticed the discrepancy in high-end cereal at the grocery stores? And when you walk down the aisle, the further you walk to the right, I would not give this thing, I would not take this stuff on foreign mission trips. Have you ever noticed this? How many of you have ever bought a box of cereal that costs $6? Golden grams, like top of the chain. And then you got Rice Krispies back in the day. And the closer you get to the right, Buy low crispy rice, 49 cents. I've been taking notes on these things. I just want to get off my chest. When I was at the University of Georgia, I dated Wendy. And uh, I, was so, I was big when I met her, and I was not in an emotionally healthy place. I used to pour milk into Golden Graham boxes and eat it with a wooden spoon. It's, I hear so many people's stories as a pastor. Everybody thinks you're the only one that goes through broken times, you know? Sometimes as a pastor, I'm like, do you honestly think that I'm not broken and I haven't heard your story before? My story was I poured whole milk into a box of golden grams and ate it with a spoon, a wooden spoon. And I'll be honest, it is delicious. <laughs> Sometimes I would put the little chocolate chips on top of the golden grams. And she married me. Therefore, have confidence, young people. My wife was Miss University of Georgia. She was beautiful. These people, uh, we met at the Baptist Student Union because we were that wild. We were at BSU. And uh, all these guys were like, wanting well, to know who she was. I used to wear orange boots, sweatpants, and a sweatshirt. And I ate golden grams with a wooden spoon. Here's what, here's what the Lord wants you to know. There's hope. Some of you may be in a golden gram season right now. At least it's not a crispy rice season. Boycott Cracker Barrel until November. I said it. Tell them I said it.
Today we start a series called Two Trees, and I'm really excited about it. They asked Picasso one time, how long did it take you to paint this portrait? Is that what you call them, Teresa, portraits? How long, how, how long does it take you to paint portrait? And he said, 58 years. In other words, it took him his whole life. And for me, this series has been a culmination of my brokenness my whole life. You know, I don't know what you guys uh, think of me because I'm a pastor of this church. But like sometimes I laugh because I'm, I'm as broken as anyone you've ever met. Like angels don't manifest in my house and call me pastor. <laughs> and uh, I understand uh, honor and, and honor is so appropriate in the kingdom. But at the same time, we got to understand that, uh, you know, we're, we're all, we're all trying to figure this thing out. We're all sheep. And even though I may be the pastor of this church, I'm, I'm a sheep. I have doubts just like anyone else. You know, faith's not the absence of doubt. It just punches doubt in the mouth and keeps moving. Um, I don't wake up in the morning hearing the shofar in the spirit. Um, hadn't seen a deliverance this morning. And, and so like when, I, when I, I give this series over the next four weeks, I don't have it all figured out. It would be awesome if I always stayed at the king's table of intimacy. And every time I smiled, I just smelled like the throne room. But the truth is, yesterday I was at the University of Georgia, and we were at this tailgate, and I'm a pastor. The thing that stinks about being a pastor is you're, you're a pastor. You like have to be a Christian 24 hours a day. And um, we were at this tailgate, and I was throwing a football at my son making a memory. And this guy, I guess, who's in charge of the tailgate, comes over and says, you can't throw the football here. And uh, I just, I probably should respond with, you know, who I am in Christ, half of what I even preach. But instead, and Sam heard me, instead, I just told this guy kind of what I thought about that. And the Holy Spirit said, Chad. And I'm like, gosh, you know, sometimes it's kind of hard to walk in the spirit. Run from anyone who says it's easy. Backwards. Run backwards. Anybody married in here? God puts you in a marriage to help you understand how much transformation you need in your identity. And then he says, don't say amen that loud, Paige. <laughs> she was even harder on the A. Amen. If that's not enough, then he gives you kids, plural. And then some of you people just keep having them. So you're married and you got four kids. And it's an everyday reminder of, are you going to walk in the spirit or walk according to your flesh? And so have you ever heard this before? The apple never falls too far from the tree. <laughs> You're just like your dad. You're just like your mom. The apple never falls too far from the tree. So what we do, we go to counseling, and then we investigate our family tree. We even ask for Holy Spirit wisdom to go back 12 generations for old Uncle Johnny. Uncle Johnny had an anger problem. 
well, that's why I have an anger problem. So I'm in my family tree. At least I'm born again. I'm going to heaven when I die. But I have more of an anger problem than some people who are not even in Christ. Might be a problem. So the two trees, the first tree is your family tree. You're born again in tree number one. Going to heaven when you die. But you tend to emulate who raised you, your mentors, your coaches, your parents. It is embarrassing. It happened to me yesterday. I was at a tailgate with my own earthly father. And I said something out of my mouth and I was like, my gosh, I sound just like him. The things that used to drive you crazy about your parents, you, you, you do to your kids. I swore I would never tell my kids because I said so. I do it once a week. There was a German shepherd, and she was about to have puppies in six weeks. She was hit by a car. True story. And crushed her back legs. And um, she couldn't walk. And she's hurt real bad, but the puppies weren't injured. None of them died. Seven puppies were born, and they watched their mom. Their mom could not walk. Normally, she, she drug her legs behind her. And it was really strange because all seven puppies emulated the mom. Even though their legs were healthy, they started dragging their legs. We tend to emulate what we see. Which is why Paul says, get higher in your thinking because yes, your family tree is real, but there's another tree that trumps the family tree. Most people spend all their money in counseling in, in your family tree. I'm not saying it's evil. I'm just saying, God bless you. You're going to be there a long time. And sometimes you need to be brave enough to say, Father, I'm so tired of letting tree number one label me. I want to let your tree label me. I don't think it's okay to be in Christ and live most of your life in tree number one, your family tree, where you just act like your mom acted and she got it from her mom and her mom and her mom and her mom. You know, some people are obsessed with generational curses it's because you don't have any revelation on generational blessing of tree number two because when you said yes to jesus the blood of christ literally becomes your reality those who worship the father must worship him in spirit and truth the father does not relate to you based upon how you act like you're a mom the father relates to you on based on the blood of his own son jesus christ which is why paul would say the fruit of the spirit tree number two is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control so the question is, do I live in my family tree where the apple never falls too far from the tree? Or have I found the courage to let what he says, which is tree number two, define me? Let's go to Colossians 1, 21 and 22, Gary. It says tree number two sounds like this. For you were once alienated, hostile in mind, performing in evil deeds. But now he's reconciled you. Verse 22, presented you before the Father, holy, blameless, beyond reproach, free from accusation. Most people, even in this room, Satan's not your biggest enemy. You are because you accuse yourself and you self-cut. You internally cut on what you're not. I'm not this enough. I'm not that enough. I'm not smart enough. I'll never be used. And we let even our own ourselves label ourselves for what we're not. And the whole time the father is saying, I actually put you into another tree, but you never experienced the benefits of that tree because you haven't learned the power of metanoia. Metanoia is a Greek word for repent. The only way to get from tree one to tree two is in the way in which you think. 
I will never forget uh, the first deliverance that the Father had me be a part of. Now, when I say deliverance in a charismatic church, it's like, that's right, brother. It's go time. (laughs) A third of Jesus' healings and miracles, one third of them were deliverances. Charismatics get excited with deliverances. I think we've misunderstood from a biblical perspective what deliverance really is. Man, I made a big mistake. I read a bunch of charismatic books back when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit 17 years ago. Oh, my goodness, it took me two years to undo what I read. We were having to ask the demons their name and tell them to be quiet and get people to sign up and meet back in a week and bind this one and bind that one. It's exhausting because his yoke is exhausting and heavy, and it's miserable. Or his yoke is easy, his burden is light. Perhaps we need to rethink deliverance because, honestly, most people in here, you need to be delivered from tree one to tree two. So the question is, how do you get delivered from tree one? There's nothing worse than being trapped in tree one and you're on thinking when you, if you died, you're going to heaven. But if someone spied on you or did life with you, they would not describe you as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. They may describe you as, man, you hold more grudges than someone outside of Christ. You're bitter. You're angry. You're always wanting to fight. You're critical. You're judgmental. I don't think any of us in here want to stay in tree one where we act like whoever raised us. I think most people want to stay in tree two, where we have intimacy with the Father, we get our identity from him. The question is, how do you go from tree one to tree two? What is deliverance? How do I get delivered from tree one? I wrote down some characteristics of tree one and tree two. Tree one reads like this. We know we're going to heaven when we die, and yet love, joy, peace, and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control don't describe us very often. Tree two says, I rarely get offended. It's easy for me to say I'm sorry. I forgive easily knowing that I actually put Jesus on the cross. I'm not critical of others, and I love big. Tree one says, well, if God gives me influence, then I will have arrived, and I'm going to get my identity and what others say about me. I'm going to let others label me. Tree two says, I actually see worry as a sin, and my hobby now is resting in the Father. Tree one says, I emulate the sin patterns that I saw in those who raised me. It's okay for me to lash out in anger because that's simply what my mom did. Therefore, it's okay because at least I'm covered in the blood, brother. I run from commitment, and I think only of myself because that's simply what my dad did. Gossip is not good, tree one says, but that's what I saw modeled, so that's what I'll do. At least I'm not a murderer. Tree 2 says, Father, search me and know my heart. Show me any offensive way in me. I want to be pure all the days of my life with you. Tree 1 says, I am a big deal because of what God does with me in my life. Tree 2 says, I'm a big deal because the Father is my Father and I am His and He is mine. Tree 1, I'm born again. Tree 2, I'm born again. The gospel has always been about transformation. Never in Jesus' ideology was the gospel about avoiding a place called hell. It was always about transformation. Zacchaeus, I'm going to go to your house tonight. We're going to have a party. Me? Jesus never called out Zacchaeus' sin, yet there was so much transformation with grace that he paid back all the people he owed money. See, Jesus cares about transformation. That's why when he forgives the woman caught in the act of adultery, 
He didn't leave her there. She couldn't help it. She got transformed by this grace. The question is not, do you believe in Jesus? Matter of fact, Jesus doesn't ask that. He says, do you want to follow me? Only two or three times does Jesus say, believe in me. Tons of times he says, follow me. I can believe in Jesus the same way a demon in hell believes in Jesus. And I can stay in tree one all the days of my life where panic, agoraphobia, depression, anxiety define me. But I'm bought with the blood, brother. Shouldn't the blood make me victorious? What what are we like? How do we identify with the biblical narrative if tree two is not the norm? Where love looks like something, where power looks like something, where healings are not abnormal. Where it's normal to walk with God in the cool of the day. Where there's power in my life. Where I step into chaos and I bring shalom. How many of us step into chaos and bring shalom? So many of us, people kind of want to walk out of the room when we walk in because we carry chaos with us. Treat two, you carry peace. Jesus did not sleep in the boat because Joseph, his earthly father, taught him how to do that. There ain't no way. Joseph was probably scared to death of his own boy when he's 12 years old. When Jesus is 12, Joseph's like, who is this Mary? Opening up the Torah, making it rain, where all these biblical leaders are saying, who is this young man? Where did Jesus learn? Where did he get his attributes from? Because go to Hebrews 1.3. I want to look at this, Gary. If you want to know what the father's like, just look at Jesus. So you say, well, in tree two, what, what's the father's characteristics? Well, the son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. If, you, if the goal of tree two is for me not just to be in intimacy with the father, but for his personality characteristics to come out in my own life, well, then what's the father like? Look at Jesus. There's a reason WWJD sold 10 billion bracelets. Tree two, my life actually looks like the one I say I believe in so much. This isn't a series to beat me up or you up. But it is a series to say that grace is real, but so is truth. I think we need to be careful because we define more people by Myers-Briggs personality test than we do what the kingdom of God says about the person. But the question is, why do so many people get stuck in tree one? I'm just like my mom. I'll never get over this anxiety the rest of my life. I'm bound by anxiety. How do you get delivered from tree one to tree two? All right, go to 1 John 3, 8. And this is why Jesus Christ came to the earth. (sighs) To destroy the devil's works. Let's read this. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Here's what most charismatics do. That's right, brother. We're going to stomp that devil. We're going to destroy him. Signs, wonders, glory, power. What's the Greek word for destroy? It's a word L-U-O. Luo. And here's what it means. To untie or unloose, even gently. A lot of the deliverance ministry that you've thought of or maybe just made up in your own imagination. It may not even be real. When Jesus delivered someone, he gently untied one thing, and it's found in 2 Corinthians 10.4. I love the fact that it's 10.4. It's easy to remember. 10.4, good buddy, here it goes. 
the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. There's another powerful word, demolish. So we picture Jesus coming in with a, a bat, a baseball bat, and he's going to swing it at the enemy. He defeated the enemy at the cross. He's not swinging a bat at you. He's going to gently untie your stronghold. Strongholds in the Greek is a literal thinking pattern that has you bound as though you are in prison. Not just in prison, but wrapped up inside of a cell. Your deliverance is not going to come through someone yelling at you. It's going to come through the gentle metanoia from the Savior that says, you, my friend, have strongholds in your own mind, and I'm going to gently untie them and unloose them. Typically, the Lord does this through community because no one who is stuck in tree one genuinely thinks they're stuck in tree one. But your community has a way of saying, come up here to tree two. Now, here's the deal. I wish that I lived and stayed in tree two. I was like George of the Jungle last night or yesterday when that guy came and told me not to throw the football. I swung in the tree one. I swung in the tree zero. I don't even know where I was for a while. I want to look at five passages where this word luo is because many of you know that you need to be delivered, but you don't understand that it comes through gentle metanoia and repentance. The first thing out of the Lord Jesus Christ's mouth, the first thing when he begins his ministry is metanoia. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, change the way you think. A stronghold is a wrong thinking pattern that has you locked up. Have you ever seen the elephant, the one-ton elephant that has the dadgum stick and the little rope holding the elephant? Satan knows he's defeated more than most spirit-filled believers. You are one thought away from a powerful life you've never experienced. I didn't say one impartation. It's funny, we pray these prayers, and, and, I, and I, I get it. But it's like, God, if you would just show up. He showed up at the cross. He said it's better for us if he went for then he can come. Maybe the reason we bow our heads when we pray is we look at him because he's inside of us. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. He's inside of me. We die from lack of knowledge. We're not dying from lack of encounters. A lot of people who are searching for encounters every other day, they're searching for encounters because they're so... Stuck in tree one, they want an angel to deliver them from that tree into the Father's lap of intimacy. I'm telling you, loose yourself. Well, Father, I just ask that you renew my mind. He told you to renew your mind. We pray prayers and angels are like, "Ah, man. So here's four verse, five verses with Luo. Let's start with that Matthew one. Just to give a description on it saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and eat, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. What if the Lord would have said, go and deliver that donkey. Punch him in the mouth and blister her with praying tongues and yell, loose yourself, donkey, loose, kura, loose, loose. You know how you loose a donkey? You untie the donkey and say, come on, donkey. I think donkeys are smarter than a a lot of spirit-filled believers. (laughs) Some of these things where it's going, it's going. You got to ask two thousand questions, then you can be delivered. You be delivered when you want to be delivered. 
Let's not even say delivered. Let's not say that word. You can be untied when you want to be untied. Let's go to the Luke passage. Another example, Luo. I keep thinking Luau. It's making me hungry. John answered them all. I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. That's the word luo. So how would John untie Jesus' sandals? Get down on your knees. Untie them. You got to be careful the way you think about what you need to get free. Chris Fallon, who's a powerful pastor and has had global influence. He's an associate pastor at Bethel Church. Had a nervous breakdown that lasted three years. I encourage you to go on YouTube and watch his description. He spoke at a men's business lunch of how he got out of his nervous breakdown. And uh, he didn't think it would, he thought he was waiting on it to be something else. His deliverance would look like something else. He started repenting and changing the way he thought. When I had my nervous breakdown at 28, I just didn't know what I know now. It makes me mad to think what led me to a nervous breakdown. The thoughts that so entangled me, the strongholds weren't true. But I believed them so much, I was bound. I would have panic attacks where I couldn't breathe. Uh, the, uh, um, Billy Graham didn't appear in the spirit and then manifest in the flesh and, and walk into my house with 10 angels. I went from fetal position to seeing blind eyes open in one year because I learned the art of repentance. And I realized, wait a minute, you telling me I'm as clean as you, Jesus, and the same power that raised you from the grave is literally in me? He told me a, a few nights before I saw uh, Gail's blind eyes open, what would happen? All I did was put my hands on her and say, Father, love her. Right now, there's more power inside of you to rattle a nation because it's not your power. It's the power of a literal king. But what you don't know can kill you. It's probably time for you to stop blaming your spouse for what you don't have. And if Uncle Johnny didn't get me my boots that I asked for for Christmas in the sixth grade, and I'm still going to counseling trying to discern why an entry, an entry of the enemy got in there, and I got to find the root of it and find Johnny's uncle and Johnny's uncle's uncle. You have a father. Paul says, call no one father but one. And when you find that father, the father's reality over you, you may realize it progressively, but the reality of his promises are instant. They're, they're, they already exist in you. I've never had that thought before. You can progressively walk in the truth and find out who you are, but they're already true about you right now if you're in Christ. You just got to discover what belongs to you. I think this is why so many tears are going to have to be wiped away in heaven. I really believe that. We're going to be like, what? Isaiah 14, it says, this is the one. This is the one that made the nations tremble. They stared at him and pondered his fate. This is the one. It's a prophecy given about the saints looking at the enemy. This is the one who made the nations tremble? Like, are you kidding me? This guy right here? Maybe our biggest fear is that um, is not that we're inadequate and weak. Maybe our biggest fear is that what the gospel says about us is true. Because you know what you know what's difficult when you start thinking different thought patterns and strongholds leave. There's a new expectation on your life from your community, from yourself, from the Father. Getting in the tree too, it feels a little weird at first, but you need to get in the tree too and build a tree house. Build a 10-story tree house. You know why? Because then you'll have enough room for other people to get out of tree one and come into your house. This is awesome. You know why this is awesome? Because this is not stage Christianity. 
this is at two o'clock in the morning when you wake up and you wake up in, in, in the spirit. You don't even know why, but you've been crying tears of joy in your sleep. I've been having experiences recently where I'm connecting with him in my sleep. I've been asking God, I, I just, I don't, I just don't want to leave intimacy with you. I wake up hearing songs sung over me. I was in Atlanta six months ago with Lee Bartanian. Angels woke him up, woke me and him up in the natural. We could hear him in the natural. Tree two is not a, not a fictitious tale. This isn't a Lord of the Rings tale. This is true. Jesus slept in a boat. Jesus untied Lazarus. Jesus walked through people. Jesus walked on water. You want to know why? It wasn't out of his anointing. Jesus had his mind renewed to the place. It, it, it boggles me to think about it. And then he says, any man believes in me, do the same things I've done. Even greater things will he do. There's no greater adventure in your life than to renew your mind to who you already are in Christ. I used to fall apart like a, I mean, in an instant, if someone like looked at me wrong, I was so in tree one, I could just, I remember reading a book in seminary. One was on my dad, my dad's side and one was on my mom's side. One was called the, the mom deficit and one was called the dad something. And it never occurred to me that perhaps my parents had their own story as well. And perhaps my dad's dad was a World War II major, never told my dad that he loved him. And perhaps my granddad had his own story. The problem is if I chase my family tree, there, there's not a savior in there. I'm not looking for St. Bill of wherever. I'm looking for Jesus. And Jesus is in another tree and invites me to come into his tree. I can't wait until next week. I'm going to talk about a prostitute named Rahab. The world labels her as a whore and a prostitute. Kingdom of God labels her as a hero. The question is, who are you going to let label you? Because people in tree one let everything but God label them. Well, you're just like your dad. You know what you ought to say? You're right, I am. That's why I see blind eyes open. That's why I believe my shadow can heal people. Well, brother, be careful. That's fanciful thinking. It's really not. We're so earthly minded that heaven has a hard time flowing through us. But when you're heavenly minded, heaven will flow through you. And you don't need a title. Bishop, king, pastor, priest, prophet, whatever. Just be Abba's child. My favorite Bible that I have, it just says Abba's child on it. On my epitaph, it's going to say Abba's child. But you know, there's great benefits into being in tree number two. You're not ruled by people. You're not ruled by past. You're not ruled by your mistakes. You're not, ru you're not ruled about when you really blew it. You know, yesterday, honestly, is the first time I've been called out that hard by the Lord in a long time. I mean, I'm telling you, I was not a nice camper. I went to, I spent, felt like a billion dollars to go to a Georgia game. I stayed in a best Western to make it sound better. I called it best Western Friday night in Athens. Flame, God, don't let us get shot while we're staying. I get to the tailgate spot 10 hours before the game. I'm having a moment with my son. I pull out the football. I throw three passes, and this guy walks over there to flash his power card and tell me I can't throw the football. If I'm in tree two, honestly, I should have ministered to him. Instead, I didn't. And I'm like, this is awful. We're always tempted to go back into tree one where we're ruled by our flesh. But I'll just tell you, I'm happier in tree two. I'm happier.
Do you know that people who walk in purity are happier? That devil, man, he's a sucker because he'll try to convince you that the flesh feels so good on whatever it is. Even celebrating Christmas seven months before it gets here because we don't have the ability to be content in America anymore. We want it to, we want it to come. But you're just like, you know what? It, it, just because it feels good doesn't make me happy. Tree to, when you're dead, you're happier. It is the strangest thing. I'm happier than Haiti than I am on vacation. I promise. My seven trips to Haiti, I know I don't want to come back here. I want my family to move there. Because there's something about abiding in the vine that's just right. It's just right. I'll close with this. I had a strange moment yesterday because I, I knew what I was preaching today after I repented. I was uh, just thinking things through, and I'm sitting beside my dad, and I just had the thought, he's not my dad. He's my brother. He's not my dad. Some of us, we almost have an impossible time even believing that. I swear I think I believe it. So it makes, you know what it makes me want to do? Bless him. And uh, let him know and let my heart know often, he's not my vine. Tree two is my vine. You know, I've never, I've never gotten my hands on the father. But you can get to a place like Paul said where it's, he just wanted to be there. You know why? Because it wasn't because Paul grew in belief. He grew in intimacy. You see, if God gets your mind, he may not get all of you. But if he gets your heart, he's got all of you. He wants our hearts. That heart is what gets settled in tree two. That is called eternal life. So that's where we're going over the next three weeks. I want you to bring some friends to church. I never really say that much. Bring some friends to church uh, who perhaps don't even like themselves. Because the journey from tree one to tree two comes through love, not through rebuke, not through condemnation. Romans 2, 4, the kindness of God leads man to repentance. Your deliverance will come through two things. Revelation on his kindness and your ability to understand what truth comes against the stronghold in your own mind. Let's stand up. I'm going to speak a blessing over us. I'm going to ask our prayer service to come forward. We'd love to pray for you today. You know, maybe you just need prayer. Maybe, maybe you've been in ministry 50 years and you're visiting here. Or you, but maybe you've drifted back in the tree one. If you died today, you know you're going to heaven. But maybe you spent so much time in tree one that you just need someone to bless you with the courage to get into tree two. Come get a prayer. Come get someone to pray for you that you would have the courage to do that. Before I speak a blessing, if there's someone in your life that is making the journey from tree one to tree two, even if that person is yourself, be as kind as the Father is. Untie them with gentleness. Be like Baloo off Jungle Book. Remember when he gets to that snake? He doesn't tell Mowgli how pathetic he is. He does make him go get the honey for him, but he doesn't tell him how, how pathetic he is. He's very kind. May you have revelation on the kindness of the Father this week and how it relates to your own deliverance. May you be untied this week in Jesus' name. Amen.